I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me by phone today from Lewis, Delaware, is the founder and facilitator of Well Arts, Eileen Wilkinson. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you. So glad to have you join us today uh, to talk about uh, some really exciting work in how you are using uh, the arts as a form of, of is, is therapy the correct term, uh, uh, a, a way to help people address issues that they're facing in their lives? Right. It's, it's um, not technically therapy, but it can be therapeutic in terms of the benefit that people um, yield from it. But it's, it's basically just gathering people and helping them to kind of unleash uh, stress and things that maybe they're unaware of, but kind of tap into their intuition. Now, tell me a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to, uh, uh, what was the inspiration for starting Well Arts? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, my background, my education is in, in communication, and I have always worked in the health field in different facets, um, you know, on the marketing end for hospitals and outpatient clinics and home care, so kind of... Um, from nonprofits, infant loss, all the way to elder care. So in that process, I have always kind of seen how when we do any kind of expressive activity, people are able to talk about things that they cannot always talk about without a little prompt. And um, so I, I was gravitating towards that even as I was doing marketing. And I would see in senior communities, um, you know, people sitting idly, and I thought, you know, they probably would enjoy talking to their neighbor. And, you know, maybe we can gather some of these people. And, you know, at some facilities, there's not even room to put um, everybody around a table. So I would say, well, let's just bring people out into the hallway and use trays, and we'll, you know, just kind of do a, a Valentine activity or something like that. So th those are the kinds of things that had been percolating for me. And then I had my own medical step back where I spent time out at Mayo Clinic, and I saw the beautiful ways that they were using the arts. Um, you know, there's a grand piano right in the entryway, and people, patients, you know, can just play it themselves, or there'll be somebody that's playing at a certain time, and it just kind of stops people in their, um, their panic about whatever they're confronted with at, a, at you know, a facility like that where people really have some serious illnesses. And, um, you know, they just all of a sudden are transformed into a place that feels like a concert hall. And, um, you know, the art on the wall that would be sculptural and the glass reflecting the sunlight and, and what a difference that makes in the person's experience. Um, so anyway, those are the kind of things all throughout my life. My, my um, dad was always writing. He, you know, served in World War II and used to journal about where he was, even when he was in a plane over, you know, he was sitting in the bottom of a bomber and say where he was in Italy, you know. So I just was encouraged from a young age to try to document some of those kinds of things. And he also played around with wood, you know, would make a skateboard out of a row state and, you know. So I was definitely exposed to using our hands and our hearts in a way that creates beauty. And um, my mom was a quilter, you know, so we were, had a lot of fabric. I always sewed as a child. That's probably a long answer to a short question. But. No, that, that, it's really <laughs> interesting. I, so so what, what is the range of 
art forms uh, or methods that you use in, in the work that you do and the, the workshops and, and working with people? Right. We really tend to use um, paper, so collaging, um, you know, magazines, newspapers, and we'll have a theme, you know, so that it's it's not just um, arts and crafts. I mean, it's basically like encore collage is one activity that we did, and we had people kind of think about their lives in decades and maybe select four decades and, you know, maybe use a folder that has four sides and use their own photographs that are just, um, you know, photocopied and then mix them with images that appeal to them as they flip through magazines. And I'll, I'll find kind of a wide range of magazines, you know, from National Geographic to, you know, old um, retro type things. And, and what that then causes is a lot of conversation around those eras. And then people connect on, you know, oh, this is, reminds me a little bit of bicycle I got at Christmas when, you know, it was, 1952, or you know, and it, it's really neat how um, it's not sophisticated. It's uh, you don't necessarily have to be a quote artist. You know, people are always, oh, I'm not artistic. We all are creative beings, and it allows, it welcomes all all people to the table. So um, that's one form. And then I mentioned journaling. We'll, you know, we do gratitude journaling. Um, we'll take you know an object that I've found on the beach maybe, and just lay that on the table and have people just kind of tell us what they feel and think and see. And um, again, people can share or not share. It's totally up to them whether they want to speak. Um, but oftentimes, when someone breaks the ground with um, what they've seen in this image, then other people say, oh, that's really interesting. Now, I saw it upside down. You know, I saw it a different way. And that's, um, that's the beauty of journaling. And um, last night, we did finger labyrinths. So labyrinths can be tactile as well as, um, you know, in courtyards of Episcopal churches, you've, you know, you see them at, made out of stone and it, it's very meditative. It allows you to just pace as you walk through it and it feels like a maze, although it's not because it, it allows you to get to the center, to pause, and then to come back out. And, you know, there's different ways of using it. You can have a question before you enter that's kind of on your mind and hope that the pacing allows your brain to kind of settle and sometimes on the um, approach out, you come up with a different feeling about the question that you had when you entered or it may come to you in your dreams or, you know, it's, it's, it's really very interesting how it all works. But we did a, a version that people can use at home. Just, um, you know, did it on a, a little circular transparent um, disc, and it's 3D, and your finger just kind of goes along the pathway, and it's the same basic benefit. So it's kind of exposing people maybe to new, new ways of looking at things and perhaps even changing some behaviors. Like there, the women that came last night, you know, were very interested in where the walking labyrinths are, and you know, there's half a dozen within a couple of miles, and they're going to search them out and, and try that as, a, as another mechanism for for quieting the mind. Now, you you mentioned mandalas. Could you could you uh, talk about 
what those are? I'm confessing my ignorance there. No, it's similar similar to a labyrinth in that it's circular, um, but it's usually patterned identically in each quadrant. So again, you can create them um, yourself and be very deliberate about you know using uh, a compass or you know it, it, that way, or it can be just like Zen doodling. Um, in each each quadrant, and just the process um, helps also in the same basic way that I described the labyrinth. Then um, you can color them in, and then they have all kinds of mag um, what do you call it? coloring books now that are all about these mandalas. And in the process of coloring them, there's coloring groups in the library. There's you know all same basic mechanism. You know, it's just quieting your mind of all the troubles that may be distracting you and you're just focused on the beauty of this circle and the colors that you use in order to beautify it. And it lets down some walls and people start bonding just really on the simple way of, oh, that's an interesting color. I like how the yellow reflects on the blue or, you know, it, it's really very cool. Now, uh, do you lead these workshops yourself? Do you have others working with you? How does do. how does that work? I do. I have a social worker that also helps me, um, and you know, I, I have done these at Dr. Jenny's office, which is an integrative practice in Milton, and then now at the Lewis Wellness Center, um, which is kind of uh, attached to a practice that's um, a rheumatoid. Uh, specialist there and um, a nurse practitioner who also does uh, healing touch and she's very deep into a lot of the integrative practices and she also has helped me. Um, so it's, it's really interesting the people that gather that really want to get involved. So I, I you know, I, I think of Others last night we had a dementia care specialist, and you know she talked about um, the stroke that she went through and how you know she also has learned so many of the benefits of anything that helps you to meditate. So many people have a really difficult time doing it in the traditional way, and so this is kind of another mechanism. Well, this is this is really fascinating, and I I want to spend some more time on talking about sort of the range of people you serve and and how do you identify them. But first, let me tune, uh, remind our listeners that you are tuned into News Radio fourteen fifty WILM and fourteen ten WDOV. This is Delaware State of the Arts. Joining me by phone from Lewis is Eileen Wilkinson, the founder and facilitator of Well Arts. Eileen, just some fascinating work that you do, and it sounds like much of it's connected to to the healthcare and 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 mental health care uh, fields, is, if that's fair to say. And uh, you mentioned early on and have been talking about this, uh, some of the workshops, but also one-on-one services. I'm curious, could you speak to uh, sort of the range of people uh, that these you provide these services for, and and how do you identify them? How do you know when a workshop is more appropriate or one-on-one? Uh, which art form, which type of activities are going to be the most useful? I mean, there's just so many questions there. Uh, I'm just curious to see how you sort of shape the programs that you do and identify who will participate. I basically 
open them to the public, and I have done them in healthcare settings because that's really where my my comfort level has been because of my background. But I've also done them in you know women's civic groups, in churches, in um, community centers. So it's it's really not. To, um, I don't want to profess that it's like a health service. It's really just open to anybody that wants to experiment with with these forms of art. Got it. So mm-hmm. um, I have, you know, I, I have definitely had people that are, you know, quote, patients because of the, the facilities that I was in, but I don't identify them. It's more the practitioner, the medical practitioner that says, oh, you know, you may want to go and try this with Eileen. You know, it's it's not, I'm not a therapist or anything like that. And I, I'm very clear about that up front that, you know, I'm not trained as a therapist. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I have had some first aid mental health training, that kind of stuff, but, and grief training, but I'm, I, it's not art therapy. And that's why I'm careful about the use of, of the word therapy, because there are certainly people that would need to be seen by a therapist and I would, you know, encourage them to do that. Right. So, right. um, yeah, I really have, just kind of put it in the newspaper and opened it up. And, you know, my mission initially was to encourage others, especially those hurting, to connect with themselves or each other using this breast of art. So, I mean, this is really fascinating. So so it's open to the public. So you, you have these offerings. So then the participants really self-select. Exactly. Got it. That is exactly it. And I've had people that, you know, maybe haven't left their homes they're in, you know, grieving, and they'll ask me, you know, can you come to my home? And, you know, I'm, I'm careful about that um, because, of course, you know, the world we live in, you never mm-hmm. <laughs> know. But I do find in a small community, people kind of know who's who. And, you know, because I am connected to these two uh, practices, it's easy enough that usually they've heard about me through one of them. Um, so... Yeah, we, we do find that often the ideas for new workshops actually erupt from ones that we've offered. And it's like, oh, okay, this seems to really be popular. Let's think of another way of doing collaging. And we use different, you know, maybe we'll do it on a box or we'll, you know, try some 3D something. So it is um, kind of fluid. I mean, I, I, I definitely have a set for things that I've put out there and sometimes you draw the same people, and sometimes you draw new people, but I'm very open to what people want because the more different mediums there are, I think the more people you're going to appeal to. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you have uh, participants returning either for the same kinds of workshops or because they're intrigued by one, they try a different kind of workshop? I do find that. Um, you know, I think people really are kind of yearning for the connection. You know, there's this whole um, kind of, I don't know if I want to call it movement, but I mean, it's, it used to be the happiness factor, and now it's the loneliness. Mm-hmm. And that so many people are um, just kind of yearning for face-to-face contact because the more digitally connected we are, sometimes the less face-to-face contact we have. You know, we, we're hyper-connected in some ways, and then just kind of missing a conversation over a cup of coffee and eyeballing each other. And um, I think that is why people are happy that they can come when they can. Um, and, you know, we've talked about trying to do it regularly, well, Arts Wednesdays, and 
just a busy area, and <laughs> it's hard for anybody to commit to anything long term. So we haven't done that yet. We, mm -hmm. We've experimented with that, but um, it, you know, it's something that I, I could see that you know almost becomes like your regular group, kind of like the coloring group at the library or something. So again, we're we're open to what what the public tells us is is resonating with them. Mm -hmm. What what is the age range of of people you have have served through these programs? Well, you know, I say eight to eighty eight because I really, you know, I've done I've done parties for kids in my own family. You know, I have a lot of cousins. I'm one of six children, so a lot of little cousins, and you know, we were always doing something on a banner, or finger paint, or you know. So it really it, it it's really not limited by age. I mean, it, it really is. Um, it's what I would love to do is more intergenerational things because through the eyes of a child and through the eyes of somebody who has lived a lot of decades, things appear differently and how cool that people could benefit from both. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I see that in, in my own, my own family, but I, I haven't necessarily been able to, you know, it's kind of new now in my experience for, um, senior communities to welcome children. Like there are sometimes, I know in Fairfax, um, programs where they'll have like a daycare kind of be adopted by a senior community. And so that children, you know, that are toddler age or something could actually, because the, the craving of each generation is to be around others that, you know, feel excited when they see each other. And, and I love that when, um, you know, you can see the the holes being filled, basically. You know, mm -hmm. so many little ones are, you know, their families are busy and they are separated maybe from the grandparents or they don't see them often enough. And same thing with the, the old elders, you know. So that's my utopia would be to do more intergenerational things. So I'm open to that as well. Right. Do you do you find that there is a sort of maximum capacity number for these workshops to be effective? I mean, is there a point at which, you know, yeah, there are just too I, many participants to really have that uh, personal interaction and, and connectivity? Yeah. I Ideally, I mean, I, I think under 20 is, is good if you have the space. Um, you know, you do need space because people don't want to be elbow to elbow. They they are going to spread out their materials, and so you know, depending on on the venue, you know, sometimes it's it's tight if if there's not the right um, t table setups for people to you know have their magazines stacked and different piles around them and all their materials. So I think under 20 is ideal. I have done. You know, I did one on gratitude journaling in a church, and we had a little more time. So there was actually like an educational piece first around gratitude and where it comes from and, you know, historically and that kind of thing. And then we had journals that they they kind of covered, and, um, you know, we gave them some pointers about how to begin. Um, but usually, you know, we have usually about um, 75 minutes to 90 minutes is the, the good kind of range of trying to complete an activity, mm -hmm. um, and everybody goes home happy. Um, well, the, your question, sorry if I, I tend to... <laughs> no, 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 this is, this is, this is great. Uh, I mean, it really is, is a fascinating uh, 
public service, really, that you pr- you're providing here. And th- that whole notion that you touched on about that connectivity and in a digital world, you know, we're we connect to so many people digitally, but then lose that personal uh, interaction and connection. And th- this sounds like uh, like a great opportunity to do that. Uh, and the work uh, so uh, through collaging, you mentioned journaling, uh, mandalas. Uh, you mentioned uh, off air before we started talking. Uh, you're starting to dabble with some some drumming. Uh, we've got about a minute left. Could you speak to that? Yeah, I I definitely want to learn more. Mm-hmm. I'm not a musician. Uh, I have been uh, attempting to take uh, intermittently lessons around um, the drum beat and everything. But I have lots of fun instruments as I've, I've traveled a lot. Um, with my husband's business, we relocated overseas, and we've lived in a lot of different places. So I try to, he's very musical, and both of my girls are. So it's, um, you know, I have all kinds of rattles and tambourines and a bodland from Ireland and, you know, different drum heads. And it's really, there's a lot documented around the same benefit of just putting people in a circle and having them experiment. And I've, I've seen it. Um, the Creative Aging Festival in Fairfax, I, I saw unbelievable, like, late Alzheimer's patients that were touched by the music and actually could get on beat, you know, with a rattle. And, you know, Parkinson's patients, by having the bells around their, their arms, you know, the tremor doesn't become such a burden. It's music. And, um, well, I, no, I hate to cut you off, but that sounds like a great opportunity to explore a whole new realm of, of working with, uh, with uh, individuals through the arts. Eileen Wilkinson, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your fascinating project, Well Arts. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak about it. It's a passion. <laughs>